It's Sam the Cooking Guy, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Some call him a fool, some even call him a douchebag, but I say Greg Rempe is the greatest thing to happen to barbecue since Caveman. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is a show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening's live fire fun and frivolity show. If you want to jump in on the show this evening through an email or through social media, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at BBQ Central Show. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the thebbqcentralshow.com, and here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter. Coming up in about 12 or 13 minutes from now, a second Tuesday of the month, first leadoff guest, of course, missed him last month, but he is back this month, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. The most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website on the face of the earth. And it wasn't Meathead's fault last month. As you would recall, a month ago, we welcomed Jeremy Andrews, CEO of Traeger, in for the first hour. So we also usurped the second guest of this evening, who we'll get to here in a second. But we'll be back with Meathead here shortly this evening as we take back up in our monthly visits. And tonight, aside for some very brief talk and maybe not even brief talk about pastrami and corned beef because St. Patrick's Day is next week. We're going to be talking a lot about safe and juicy making of hamburgers. Who doesn't love hamburgers? I could have hamburgers every night. So we'll make sure that you are armed with your information as the live fire season starts to ramp up. Hopefully some of the folks that have been pounded by the winner here over the last handful of months. I've seen the last of it in Cleveland, at least the promises to snow Friday night into Saturday. They're talking about some shoveling, but nothing major, not a big snow event like we've been having, but still it's not in the past or in the rear view mirror at this point, but hopefully the following week will at least be branching into the fifties consistently. And we'll go from there. So meathead coming up here shortly after meathead, we will be joined by the other second Tuesday of the month regular guest in the first hour. That, of course, being Dr. Robert Moss from robertfboss.com and the contributing barbecue editor for Southern Living Magazine. And tonight we're going to be talking about barbecue festivals, grilling festivals, 
or in the general live fire cooking festivals after a year and a half approaching two years of being on some kind of either restriction as last year closed or being completely canceled because we were neck deep into the COVID situation 2021 and through the first part of 2022, they're starting to make a reemergence. And not only that, they're coming back bigger and better than ever. A lot of one-off events are now turning into what can be considered a series type of a occurrence where it's taking place multiple events under the same branch, taking place over the course of weeks, over the course of months. And then there's a whole host of brand new barbecue and grilling festivals are going to be coming out here this year as well. So we'll get you prepped and ready for the ones you might want to be looking forward to hitting, especially if they are near you so you don't miss out. So that's Robert F. Moss, 35 past the first hour, and then we'll move into the second hour. And I will be joined by the second time by a dynamic duo and captains of industry here in the live fire world. Two years ago, they made their debut on the show. We talked all about the release of at the time was kind of a game changing or a game broadening cooker gravity feed nothing new charcoal gravity feed nothing new but charcoal gravity feed grill not specifically smoker like you would see on originally what was a stumps or a superior smoker or a host of other gravity feed smokers that came after those two or three initial ones Masterbuilt brought to market back in 2020 a gravity feed grill that also had Wi-Fi and app connectivity. There was a lot of hype going on at that point. So we had John and John 2 Macklemore on back then, and we talked all about the release of the Masterbuilt cooker and what other shapes and sizes it might take as the life wore on. And lo and behold, back here in 2022, a lot has changed since then. So we'll welcome them back in in the second hour. We'll talk about how the gravity feed cooker actually was received into the market, how it actually did and performed in regards to the sales numbers and expectations, and then we'll actually get into a 2018 cash infusion from a uh, equity firm. We'll also talk about the eventual sale of Masterbuilt along with Kamado Joe and Char Griller at the end of last year. So if you're not familiar with that, they are now a part of a juggernaut of live fire industry, which is Middleby. Uh, I think at last check, their shares, they're publicly traded. Their shares were close to $200 a share, so they're very fit. And they have added a bunch of things into their Middleby lineup, which had long been a stronghold for the high-level stuff, Evo, falls into that category. Lynx Grills falls into that category. There's a very high-end Spanish-made charcoal cooker that's more set in the commercial side of things, but all very high-level pieces. And now you have Kamado Joe, Masterbuilt, and Char Griller filling out their Live Fire product line. So very interesting. A lot of things to talk about. So we will welcome back John and John, or John 2 as we call him, Macklemore, uh, formerly of Master Built Cookers, and we'll talk all about that stuff. So there you go. Meathead and Robert Moss coming up here in the first hour. John and John McLemore, second hour, and your emails and text messages and all that other stuff should you see fit. 216-220-0966 is the number. Greg at the, the BBQ Central Show. 
bbqcentralshow.com is the email address or at BBQ Central Show on all social media handles, by the way. If you're not following me, do that. TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. For live video feeds, you can go to Facebook and Twitch, slash BBQ Central Show. Also, slash RD Rempe on YouTube if you would like to watch me there. So we get to some show feedback from last week, and it's wide-ranging and varies quite a bit, so let's just dig into it right now. Troy from Minnesota writing in. Hey, Greg, Chori Pollo's popularity is surging so fast. Not only is Sam the Cooking Guy making a Chori Pollo not-not-taco, Teresa's in Lakeville, Minnesota, is making the Chori Pollo burrito, if you can believe it. Everything you love in the usual dish, but now in a burrito. Thank you for your commitment to the show each week. I love it. Absolutely the best resource for live fire cooking on the planet. Regards, Troy. Troy, we certainly appreciate you writing in and telling us about how Chori Pollo is continuing to take over the nation. Once scoffed at is now a dish that people are actually seeking out across the country. So if you run across Chori Pollo, wherever it is in your neck of the woods, let me know about it. I want to know. Jared from Florida writing in, Greg, I'm really loving the individual roundtables that you and Malcolm Reed are doing right now. I really enjoyed the brisket one last week, and I'm looking forward to the next two as well. Thank you both. Now, bring back the competition roundtables already. Regards, Jared. Ah. I don't know if we're there yet, Jared, but we'll keep that in mind. Janet in Maine. Greg, first time emailer to the show, and I usually listen via podcast. But I caught the show last week, and I was taken with your interview with Cosmo. I certainly appreciate his honesty in regards to sharing info about his business. But I'm not sure where he's coming up with this $50 million buy price when his revenues are north of $13 million. That kind of math does not work in my head. However, I love the show. Keep up the great work. Regards, Janet. Uh, Janet, I'm not speaking for Cosmo, but he said, if you're walking up to me and you're asking me to sell regardless of where the revenue is. That's what his sell price is today. No questions asked. You get the whole kit and caboodle. Tino in Texas writing in, Greg, Sam was drunk last week. Prove me wrong. (laughs) Matt in Idaho writing in, Greg, Sam, the cooking guy segment was great as usual. However, I noticed he seemed a bit more loose when compared to some recent appearances, not saying it was bad. Someday, I hope to listen live and play the game that is sweeping the nation, as you say. What does Sam like best so I have the opportunity of winning something cool that he is selling in his shop? Until then, keep up the great work. Love the show. Regards, Matt. Matt in Idaho, thank you for writing in. I can neither confirm nor deny that, uh, as Tino put it, Sam was drunk last week. I don't think he was drunk. I think he was caught in the same time zone as I am which is not traditionally the case. He's usually three hours behind me. And maybe he had one or two, or one or two more than he would usually have. Who knows? It was a fun segment regardless, and Chris won a cast iron pan. That's all that counts. Let me talk to you quickly about the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, bigpopsmokers.com, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies will get you in the path to bed barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling, Big Papa Ball himself, or Big Papa Ball himself, from the award-winning rubs and sauces, the American-made grills and smokers. They have something for everybody. 
We all know the popular championship rubs and seasonings. Flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle, Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition scene and in the backyard. Offering 13 perfectly balanced flavors that transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Also, the owner of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to sauce, you're tired of what's existing out on the market now, you want something a little bit different, Granny's traditional yet powerful flavor remind us of why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. And aside from the rubs and sauces, they're offering great charcoal and wood cookers for sale. You're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out that Mac two-star general pellet cooker. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? Take a look at the Old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're not sure of what grill you need, give him a call and ask questions. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or you can shop their website and peruse yourself. BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. We are back with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Right after this, stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology, sellers of ceramic cookers with built-in power draft fans, and accessories to make your barbecue and grilling life easier, visit bbqguru.com for more information or call them 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU, the barbecue guru, continuing to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. And you know what this means. We missed him last month, but this month he's here ready to rock and roll we race to the hotline and welcome back the creator of amazingribs.com meathead hey meathead hey how's greg and how's all the centralites out we there we are absolutely ready to rock and roll we're ready to talk burgers ready to talk some other things as well and uh, as i need i guess not apologize for last month we always hate to miss no, you it was but a great segment yeah, given the i listened uh, to it good well did you have any reactionary thoughts or things that you know one or two things that really stuck out that you either didn't know or surprising to you the whole the whole show was revelatory it was really interesting i i thought he was a very charismatic and intelligent and interesting fella and uh elevated my opinion of traeger uh, i was a good uh, if you had to bump me for anybody i'm glad to be bumped for him and i just heard you talking about cosmo i haven't listened to the podcast yet but Look what I have here. I got one of these. Oh, yes, the wing dust. Yeah. Very I delicious. Got one of these. I got one of these. I think, you know, the wing I mean, dust is one on of the more revolutionary wing, products, wing I think. Dust. Yeah, it's a revolutionary product. Have you tried product. this stuff? Yes, I've been a big fan for oh, maybe two years now. The darn wing dust. Cosmo, I was about to say nice things about you, 
and the heck with you now. You just cut me off the air. That's right. No, the, uh, Windows must have hit the um the the sound the volume control or something. I don't know. All right. Well, now we're back at it. So uh, we're back at it. We're, Sorry we're, about that, ladies and germs. We're fans of wings wing dust. I was a uh, uh, a big adopter of that here maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, maybe it's even well, been longer than that. Covered them. out. Yeah, it's very delicious. I love putting it on hot I mean, wings, uh, and all the flavors are really good. They're loaded with umami, and they really amplify flavors. Um, uh, I, I've tried them on uh, chicken and a bunch of other stuff, and uh, um, I got to tell you, Cosmo, you, you got it going right there. Uh, I don't know what uh, flavor scientists you're you're talking to, but I'd like to talk to them. <laughs> he he keeps it very on the down low with who he's yeah. using to package. Um, I asked him last week who he uses. I didn't know if it's, you know, it's it's really funny talking to these guys and gals. It's sometimes people are pretty you know, fast and loose with who they're using. They don't seem to care. I, I don't. So when and and when people tell me right off the bat, I just figure that most people would be willing to share that information. I don't know if it's why it would be secret or not, um, unless somebody had an inkling that you were just going to say, oh, okay, well, that's where Cosmo gets his stuff done. I'm just going to go and ask for a knockoff of Cosmo stuff, which I could see a lot of people doing. By the yeah. way, a lot yeah. of people do that anyway on a lot of rubs and sauces, in case you didn't know that. But uh, he's not using some of the bigger ones that you could probably think off the top of your head, and he keeps it pretty private. So, uh, And I could see you know, where he's pushing... 13 million, 14 million in revenues, he might want to consider bringing all of that in house. He's got to have the money to build a facility of some sort. So, you know, why not just uh, become vertical, as they call it? Well, my instincts are is that he's using some really top talented uh, flavor scientists that this doesn't taste like the kind of stuff a regular old backyard barbecue guy like you or me or uh, even uh, some of the, the top Hall of Famers could could concoct yep. there's um some pretty pretty clever ingredients in there that just really amplify flavors they're just potent flavors really strong um something i wanted to touch base you said we we're going to talk about um I, I i suggested to you that we talk about uh how to make great juicy burgers and make them safe at the same time yeah. but i heard you in the intro mention pastrami and you know, that's a favorite topic of mine. Who are you talking to about pastrami? Well, we weren't talking to anybody, but next week is St. Oh. Patrick's Day. And, I mean, mm -hmm. I could certainly quiz Stephen Reichlin about corned beef and pastrami, but you are the foremost authority. You're the one that really <laughs> got as close to Katz's delicatessen as you could probably get. And that's yeah. something we always like to, to talk about. So if there's something quickly you would like to uh, share to make sure that we're going to have a great St. Patrick's Day. I'm all ears. I'd, I'd love to talk about corned beef and pastrami, and maybe we can come back to burgers next month. That's fine. Because I got, I got some really good tips for folks out there. And let's just start with, before we get to the smoking and all that stuff, let's start with good old corned beef and cabbage, um, uh, New England boiled dinner, you know, the, the stuff that everybody traditionally cooks. That stuff is often way too salty. The trick to getting it right is when you buy your corned beef is to desalinate it. Um, open that pouch and get it into a bucket of cold water <laughs> and change that water every three, four hours overnight. And that'll pull a lot of the salt out. 
and that'll make it a lot easier. Or if you don't have time for that, make sure when you cook it, you don't boil it. Boiling is 212 degrees, and that contracts the meat fibers and squeezes out the juice. And I know it seems hard to believe that you can get dry meat when you're sitting in a bucket of water, but you can because the high heat squeezes out juices. So keep the temperature down to a simmer, um, 170, 180, 190 at the most. Keep the temperature low. It's going to take a long time to raise the meat up to the to um, serving temp, and you want the meat to be the same temperature of the water, at least 170 if you can, and use your thermometer for that. But if you're going to just go straight into the simmering water, then change that water a couple of times during the cook to get out the extra salt. And don't worry about that little packet of herbs and spices. They're not going to enhance the flavor at all. They can't penetrate the meat. Mm. You can just save those for some other use or throw them out. But simmer them low, and then don't put the cabbage and the carrots and the potatoes in right at the start. They'll disintegrate. Um, save them for later in the cook. The uh, potatoes and carrots will take only a couple of hours, and uh, the corned beef is going to take three or four hours if you're down around 170, 180. And then don't throw the cabbage in until the last four, 45 minutes to an hour, and that'll come out just fine. Um, you'll, you'll Mark my words, you'll have the best corned beef and cabbage you've ever done if you follow that technique. Um. You are a fan of both, but you're a much bigger fan of pastrami. So is there, yeah. like, what's the best method to get a great pastrami? Same idea. Start with, by the way, uh, if you love pastrami, and I know all our friends in Texas are going to hate me for saying this, but I think pastrami is the ultimate expression of brisket. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer it actually to great Texas brisket. Um, but you can start with corned beef. Um, and that's a good place to start. Or you can buy a brisket and you can make corned beef out of it. And my website, AmazingRibs.com, has the technique for making corned beef out of pastrami. And it's really good and it's not too hard, but it takes a week or more. So start now. Um, and are you but, using uh, a whole brisket to do the corned beef? You can use any part of the brisket you want. You can oh. use a whole brisket or you can chop it into chunks. You can separate the point and flat. Or if you buy in the store, you'll notice often that they have some point on top of some flat. And th there's a, that big layer of fat in between them. So you want to, when you get that corned beef, you want to trim off as much of that fat as you can. Nobody's going to eat it. And simmering, it just makes it awful tasting and ugly. <laughs> it's not like when you roast it and smoke it. Um, but, um, uh, the same deal with the, with the, you start with the corned beef and by the way, it's going on sale. So load up, uh, because uh, I tried to buy some a couple of weeks ago and it was Oof. expensive. Yeah. So get it now when it's on sale, load up, it freezes just fine. Um, so to make great pastrami, um, you, 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 you start with the desalination process, just put it in a bucket of water, six, eight, 12 hours, change the water every three, four hours, that pulls out a lot of the salt. Then you want to use a great pastrami rub, and I've got it. It's on amazingribs.com. It's not hard. It's easy to do. Uh, doesn't require anything special. Um, you probably have most of the spices and, uh, and herbs, uh, the spices on your spice rack now, and you rub it up good, lots of that stuff on it, and then smoke it just like you would a brisket. 
Uh, I like to cook it at a low temp. A lot of people like to go hot and fast now at brisket. I cook it at 225, plenty of smoke. It doesn't hurt it. Um, and then get her up around the 150, 160 range when you've got a nice dark color on it. Wrap it in foil or, if you prefer, the butcher paper. Crip it tight um, so that uh, moisture and uh, uh, it doesn't evaporate. You don't want it to evaporate. That'll, that'll, that'll slow the cooking. And uh, bring it on up to uh, 200 to 210. And uh, you can finish it in the oven once you've wrapped it. You don't have to keep it on the smoker. Mm. Uh, and uh, it is just awesome. Just awesome. And then you know, I prefer to make a, um, a Reuben sandwich out of it. I mean, you just te tr technically a Reuben is corned beef. But you're starting with corned beef. You're turning it into pastrami. Make a Reuben sandwich out of it. And if you're not quite sure how to do that, of course, we got the recipe on our side. I love this stuff. I make it all the time. Um, fantastic. Just wonderful food. When you wrap it in foil or you wrap it in butcher paper, between the two, do you have a preference? Do you find one yields a better product? You know, I've gone back and forth on it, and I've watched the videos and everything. Um I I don't I don't have a preference. Um, I think everybody out there does, and if you prefer one over the other, go for it. Um, I typically use foil because I just have it around, and it's easy to crimp tight. Mm -hmm. And I want it tight. That one of there are a couple of things that happen when you use the Texas Crutch, which is what they call when you wrap it in foil or butcher paper. Um, you're you're um, reducing the evaporation. When meat is sitting on the cooker and it's hot in that cooker, whether it's just 225 or you're taking it up to 300, moisture evaporates. A lot of it. You can lose 20, 30% of the volume. Um, moisture evaporates, and that evaporation cools the meat. And that cooling slows the cook, which is nice because the slower the cook, the more tender it's likely to be. You're breaking down your connective tissues. But once you start getting up to a certain color on the exterior, you got your bark the way you like it, it's starting to tenderize. Um, when you wrap it in foil, if you wrap it tight, you've stopped the evaporation. Um, and now you're getting a puddle of, of, of liquid down in the bottom. So you're actually doing a braise. Mm. And braising is a classic old French technique. Um, where and it very good for tenderizing. Of course, it, it mucks up the, the 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 bark somewhat, but you can you can patch that back together by taking it out of the foil at the end of the cook and throwing it on a hot grill for just a few minutes to firm up the bark, um, or in in the oven on the broiler or whatever. You can firm that bark back up pretty good. A lot of people say that when they're using butcher paper or the biggest win to butcher paper is exactly what you said. You are able to maintain the bark. It's not, some of it isn't washing off in the foil. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, you know, I guess that's a classical Texas way, but I guess in this instance, this isn't about Texas at all. Um, you want to keep those spices and all the flavoring out there. So butcher paper might be the better way to go. So you're not washing any of that off. Try it. If you've got a preference, it'll it'll work fine. I use foil because I know I can crimp it tight. Yeah, and I want it tight, and that speeds the cook, gets the gets the braising done properly, um, and it works just fine for me. Um, I don't compete, so uh, I've never really um, made a deep study of it. 
So then we're slicing pastrami thin, and then are you a sauerkraut guy, a Swiss cheese? Cross the grain, of course, just like yes. you would a brisket. Yep. Cross the grain, always with brisket, cross the grain. Um, and uh, I, I love to do a Reuben sandwich, which would be a brown mustard, sauerkraut. Now, there's two kinds of sauerkraut. You can get the... Um, the fresh sauerkraut, which usually comes in a plastic bag yep. in the freezer or in the refrigerator section, and there's canned sauerkraut. And I don't recommend the canned oh, sauerkraut. It's, it's mushy. It's it's it, it it it's just not very good. Get the fresh, which is crunchy, like cabbage, and you want to squeeze out the moisture. Um, you can just squeeze it out with your hands, or use a potato ricer. <laughs> a potato ricer works great. It's like a giant garlic press. And it won't break break anything. You just throw it in the hopper and squish it down, and the juices come running out. Because you don't want a lot of liquid on this sandwich. Um, and then, um, if you like, um, put a little slice of uh, uh, Swiss cheese. Oh yeah. And pop it under the broiler. Melt that Swiss cheese, and, or melt the Swiss cheese and warm the meat. Um, and uh, a, a good rye or a marble rye is the is the classic presentation. Uh, it's it's just I think it's it's the best sandwich on earth. Are you not a Thousand Island dressing guy? Yeah, you can. Um, I have something I like. Um, I make Thousand Island dressing, and I make it with uh, a red can- a, a red Kansas City style barbecue sauce rather than ketchup. <laughs> Thousand Island typically is ketchup and mayo, roughly one to one, with a little um, uh, uh, pickle relish, um, and you can vary the proportions. I use um, uh, a red barbecue sauce, which has got a little extra flavor to it. Hmm. You a uh, kimchi guy? No, I'm not. I, I've, I've like never you don't like it, or you just it. never uh, you just never try it. I've had it. Uh, I don't know if I've had really good kimchi. I know people who love it really love it. Yeah. it's a little too hot for me, mm-hmm. and I'm not crazy about the flavor. But if you are, why not throw it on a uh, on on a Reuben sandwich? I just got introduced to it maybe two months ago or three months ago. I had my first jar and I liked it a lot all by itself. And then Malcolm Reed had told me um, he's the one that told me to to try it in the first place, and said it's really good with like a medium rare piece of beef and kimchi on the side. And I was like, no way. And so I just tried that the other night, uh, last Friday, and it was outstanding. So once again, Malcolm Reed steering everybody in the right direction. But uh, maybe that would he's, change your fancy, perhaps. He's such a smart guy. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm such a huge fan. You know, I'm. I, uh, there's so many really smart people in this world, in the barbecue community, and he's right at the top. Uh, Meathead, if people have questions about pastrami, corned beef, we just go to amazingribs.com. Correct. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've I have fallen in love with this stuff, as you can tell. Yeah, and I have the whole process for making your own corned beef from scratch. As I say, it can take a week or longer, so you better get started if you're going to do that. It's kind of fun. It's a project, um, uh, but uh, it, you, you feel real proud of yourself when you're done with it. Or you just get a good quality corned beef off the market and convert it to pastrami. Um, and I've got the whole process on the on the website. Um, uh, plus ha- a good technique for Reuben sandwiches. And also, you know, hey, when you're all done, if you got leftover, corned beef hash, huh? Cast iron skillet, little ba- little bacon fat in the cast iron skillet, mm. chop it up with some potatoes, uh, put the skillet on your grill, crack an egg on top. Now you're talking. What do you think about this? Everybody who is in the grilling knows. 
Oh dear. What happened? Why isn't it playing? <laughs> I love that. Greg, you, you <laughs> I'm just going to come out folks, and say it. All right. And everything you can put on the grill, nothing in this world, animal, vegetable, mineral is better than a pineapple. God <laughs> almighty, I love grilled pineapple. What? <laughs> oh Meathead. my God. I have to look back at our 10 years of doing interviews together and hold everything in question that you said. I can't believe that the best thing coming off of a grill on any side of anything is pineapple. Have you ever just grilled a slice of pineapple? Uh, Meathead. My mind is spinning. I think I'm ready to explode. Of course I have. Never once have I thought that this could be the best thing I've eaten off a grill. No way. Prime rib is better. Every steak is better. Chicken is better. (laughs) Turkey is better. Pizza is better. Meathead, you are off your medicine. We might have to call an end to this whole goddamn thing now. Oh, my God. (laughs) What do you think about that? That That, was just... That guy nailed it, didn't he? He nailed it. For people who can't see the monitor (laughs) and are listening to this in the podcast... Greg took that segment, which was unedited as near as I can tell. Oh, totally. Uh, of, of me making the terrible mistake of confessing what I love most on the grill and Greg's response to it. And he drew this marvelous cartoon caricature, captured both of us perfectly. Yeah. Um, and it, just, it was just a fun thing. Um, I have downloaded that with your permission and if you go to our website and you look at uh, the pineapple recipes of course you'll see that <laughs> it's it's a very funny video well, i really <laughs> we're gonna hire him to do some other stuff no doubt us. about it there's a lot of things that we've talked about in the past that probably should be animated so uh, if you have the inkling of doing corned beef or pastrami go to amazingribs.com and get the recipes and then tune in next month where we will give you 14 ways to make hamburgers safe and juicy in the meantime go to amazingribs.com for all your needs meathead always appreciate the time yes one last thought before we sign off we were going to talk burgers we'll come back and get them next week but how about a little uh stand up and uh, take a bow mcdonald's um i don't know if you heard today but they have abandoned all 800 stores in Russia. Oh, wow. Look at that. This is a company that has 800 stores and something close to 10,000 employees. Yeah. And they have shut them down. And my gut instinct is, is if Putin remains in power, they're never going to get them back. All that equipment, all that. Uh, I don't know how they, I don't know what's going to happen to those guys. That That is a massive sacrifice these people have made. That's right. And McDonald's is paying them, uh, even though they are not operating, which I don't know if you knew that or not. But uh, so No, all those I, they're people, paying the employees. Yep, they are paying the employees, and they closed all the Ukraine wow. locations as well, and they are paying them uh, as well. I just heard that on the news as well. So uh, kudos wow. to them. And uh, no I'm oil for America for, uh, from Russia, too. We're not taking I'm their oil. Out, uh, about I'm that. going out. First of all, I'm a big fan of the uh, egg McMuffin, anyhow. So I'm <laughs> I'm going out and I'm going to eat at McDonald's. That's right. That's right. Eat double and pick up the slack. Uh, there he is, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. We'll see you in March, Meathead, where we will talk burgers. Yes, we will. And Robert Moss is waiting to come on. And before we get him, I will talk to you quickly about the David McDowell, who is David Leans, and the Do Wellness Program. 
Now, maybe you've heard me talk about over the last number of months that having a dad bod is cool. Well, take it from a stud like me. It's not. There's nothing sexy about wearing your gluttony everywhere you go, not to mention being overweight increases the risk of all causes of mortality, including strokes. Most cancers, coronary artery disease, sleep, apnea, hypertension, and the list goes on. Making the decision to change decades-old food habits can mean the difference between attaining your health goals versus dealing with the unknown health challenges that you and your family will have to face. Luckily, thanks to my pal and friend of show, backyard barbecue enthusiast and men's health and wellness coach David McDowell, you can eat barbecue all year round and still lose fat. With David, you've got assistance around the clock. He's just a text message, an iMessage, or a WhatsApp message, or an email away. He's also available to FaceTime, Zoom, WhatsApp video chat, whenever you need help, even on short notice. Some coaches are charging up to 500 bucks a month for a canned diet plan and one to two check-ins a month. That's ridiculous. Partnering with David allows you access to a resource who's available effectively 24-7. You can now sign up for the David Leans program not for $500 or $400 or $300 or $275 a month. $200, bucks. that's right. Don't wait. Get on this now. You still have plenty of time to get your health in order here in 2022. It's David's personal guarantee to you that if you make an honest effort, you'll succeed in losing fat. And if you don't, he'll refund 100% of your investment. No questions asked. Ready to go? Hit the website. DavidLeans.com slash BBQ. That's davidleans.com slash bbq. You've committed that you want to make a change. Now get some help making the change and keeping you on task. Dave is there to help. Have you ever seen this guy? The proof is in the pudding. This guy is stacked and he's a really good cook, a really good live fire cook. So he's not lying. He's not selling you a bill of goods. He can help you do it. If you're ready to commit, give him a try. davidleans.com slash bbq. And we're back with David Moss. Right after uh, David Boss. Who the hell is David Boss? I think that's my movie guy here on local channel eight. The boss man. <clears throat> We're back with Robert Moss right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets. For all your pellet-driven cookers, visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also check out all the other products that they have right there on the website to make your food a little bit more delicious and smoky. That is cookinpellets.com. My next guest, the contributing barbecue editor to Southern Living Magazine, friend of this show, monthly contributor. We race to the hotline and welcome back, Robert Moss. Hey, Robert. Hey, Greg. How's it going? Uh, I just did a quick check, and David Moss is Channel 8, local <laughs> Fox affiliate TV Channel 8, uh, like a cooking guy, but he's also known for doing movie re- really bad movie reviews and the really bad Zoom <laughs> movie interviews that people have been forced to do for those press junkets, so I apologize for that. Well, that, that's okay. I don't know him, so we're, we're fine. Yeah. Um, Meathead just talked about pastrami and corned beef, and I know last year we debunked who the oldest smokehouse <laughs> in the country was, of course, but uh, are you a St. Patrick's Day guy? Is that something you get down on? 
not not particularly not not anymore i mean i was much much younger uh but once you got to that point where you know, drinking beer all day and you know in the streets you know green beer and all that uh st patrick's day sort of lost the appeal to me so um no not, not i don't get much into it in fact i'd, I'd sort of forgotten it was coming up until i heard you guys talking about pastrami what i think is interesting is how much everyone now can uh associates pastrami with St. Patrick's Day and pastrami has nothing at all to do with Ireland. You know, it actually is, you know, comes out of the uh, Jewish deli tradition in New York and then from there, from Eastern Europe and from, for the Mediterranean. So, uh, but these days they're both made with a similar cut uh, of meat, which is brisket, but historically they, they diverge quite a bit. Robert Moss joining us here on the show, robertfmoss.com, his website. Uh, Robert, before we talk about the topic at hand, uh, last time you were on, we were promoting the upcoming release of the book. And, of course, we missed last month, uh, along with Meathead's first segment, because of uh, Jeremy Anderson in the beginning of February. But now that the book has been out, uh, do you get any feedback from the publisher on this? Or is it a little bit different because it's not like a random house or somebody else like well, that? Well, it's... Yeah, it's the Lost Southern Chefs. So it's it's a uh, history of commercial dining in the 19th century South. So restaurants, as well as bars, hotels, dining rooms, anything like that. It is an academic press book. It's from the University of Georgia Press. So it's a little bit different than when you launch a big uh, you know, a commercial press book. Though, in fairness, the commercial presses aren't doing nearly as much publicity these days. Mm. But you know, I'm not doing a big book tour or, or getting booked in the Today Show or anything like that. It's much more for, I think, you know, people who are into food history, people are who are into... You know, southern cooking and things like that. So these tend to be um, sort of a slow launch. But on the other hand, uh, it doesn't really date get dated because it's about the 19th century. So this book will still be relevant a year from now, two years from now, you know, five years from now. So uh, these a little bit of a slower launch than something that may be like a you know more timely cookbook or something like that. When somebody reads it, like a fan of this kind of genre, or maybe they're a fan of the South, what have you, do they email you and say, "Hey, got through the book and." these are the things that I liked reading about or I didn't really know about this and then tell you a little bit about it. Yeah, I sure do. Uh, I get, I, I get a lot of, of, of you know, emails just sort of from, from people who, you know, maybe find me on the website or something like that and reach out either with, I get a lot of questions. Um, I, you know, it's interesting how, you know, I wrote the barbecue history, which is what you know, predecessor book to this. And I still just get out of the blue, just some random person, you know, you know, either writing me an email with a question or a request to be interviewed or to go do a talk or something like that. So I definitely get a lot of feedback from it. I think, um, I think it's a book that once people get into it, they discover a lot of things they didn't know. Certainly I, that's how I, I decided to write it is I dug into the research and found out a bunch of things about uh, restaurant dining in the 19th century that, that I didn't know. So I think it's the kind of thing that will have a, a bit of a long tail, you know, a bit slow, but I definitely get, just sort of randomly, you know, or maybe I'll be doing an event or something, and someone will walk up and say, "I read the book," and ask ask a very pointed question. So, uh, so that's always great to hear. Robert Moss joining us here on the show. So, the topic this evening that we wanted to hit was the—I don't know if we could call it growing popularity because I mean they were very popular before the pandemic hit, but what appears to be a reemergence or a. A regathering of people in festivals. Um, we're, of course, big fans of barbecue festivals, the grilling festivals, or maybe we should just call them live fire festivals. For instance, you yeah. had the big one that you did with all those uh, big barbecue folks. And, you know, that maybe was really the door opening back up where you had real crowds and people. I mean, it was outside, of course, but 
a lot of these festivals are going to be outside anyway, and this is something that's starting to come up more and more. And as you put it, you are seeing a, a almost a demand from people, and there are folks that are putting these on that are trying to meet that demand and expectation. Yeah, it's it's really quite remarkable. And, and um, yeah, we talked, I think, the last time I was on about the Holy Smokes Festival here in Charleston, um, which is something I helped stage back in November. We had this nice little window, maybe October, November, uh, in between sort of the Delta wave and then the Omicron wave, when all of a sudden all these you know festivals actually came off. Because if you recall, 2020 and 2021, it was the, the era of a festival getting announced and postponed yeah. and then canceled, and we'll try again next year. Uh, so we had this little wave where you know, everybody um, you know got out and, and had fun. Uh, what's been amazing to, is to see how many festivals are now coming back in 2022, either ones that were canceled uh, last year or even two years ago um, that are they're coming back for another 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 try at it. Ones that were you know had gone virtual or did some some various th- uh, formats coming back. And then there's a whole bunch of brand new festivals being launched, uh, which is just like we saw a lot of new restaurants being launched during the pandemic. Uh, there's a lot of new new folks who have decided that you know we really want to you know draw attention to our particular town, our particular barbecue community, excuse me, barbecue community, and are staging brand new festivals. And yeah, you know, I was just from my my Q sheet newsletter. I was just uh, updating the event listings uh, for the issue that came out today, and I was amazed at how many new ones are out there. I only listed ones through I think June. Uh, but if you start looking out in the fall, there's just like a whole raft of, of festivals. And so I wouldn't say it, not only is it coming back, I think it's actually a good bit bigger and and um, you know more barbecue focused even than than before the pandemic. Given all of the events that are happening in the world right now and the fact that fuel prices are starting to skyrocket once again uh, here in Cleveland, at least we're approaching, if not already cresting over four dollars a gallon. I know it's more expensive than other places where they're not close to refineries and what have you. Do you think that's going to put a damper at all on people wanting to really drive any far distance? Or do you think people will just suck it up and they want to be out and they want to get back to these festivals and they'll, they'll pay a premium if you will. I think it will depend. I think right now you have that pent up demand and um, you know, the Charleston wine and food festival just, just uh, took, just finished up on Sunday here in Charleston, which uh, was canceled last last year. So they came back again this year, uh, you know, sort of after a hiatus, and the crowds are massive. So if if gas prices were uh, holding people back, it, it, it didn't show it at the festival. But I think there's so much pent up demand right now. The weather's just starting to get nice. So the, the events are coming back, so people will, uh, you know certainly willing to, to pay a little ex, you know, a couple of bucks extra uh, to get there. We'll see how long that lasts and how long it goes. But I think also a lot of the festivals, you know, they're not all necessarily drawing people from hundreds of miles away. So a lot of them are local focused or bringing people in from the area. So it's actually a fairly economical way if you're within, you know, an hour or two driving distance to, to spend the day without having to you know, get a hotel and all that kind of thing. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, uh, I think it depends on how long it lasts, but so far I've not seen any, you know, any signs that the demand is getting, getting tapered by, by the cost. Robert Moss joining us here on the show, talking about the impending food festival year or calendar year as it unfolds. Were there any, as you were looking through them new or coming back after being canceled or postponed for a couple of years that stick out to you that you wanted to mention? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think um, 
Well, I mentioned the, the, the Wine and Food Festival, which was back. Uh, Memphis is Memphis in May is actually going to be held in May this, this year, though it's not going to be for the first time in I think since it's since it's uh, maybe second year. It's not going to be in Tom Lee Park on the Mississippi, on the Mississippi River. It's going to be a different park because that park's being is is being renovated. But they held it last year, but with a, a greatly reduced uh, attendance. But that one's that one's coming back. Um, there's a new festival called the Troubadour Festival, which was uh, held for the last, or for, sorry, for the first time uh, back in the fall in Salina, Texas. And when a lot of the Texas pitmasters were here for Holy Smokes, they were talking about how great of a festival it was. They really enjoyed it, and I think it was a big hit with the crowd. I was uh, interested to say they just announced they're coming back for 2022 with three different editions, in, in one in Salina, but uh, two other locations in Texas. So it's going to become sort of this multi-stop location and that is sort of in line with there's a long running festival called Q in the Lou mm-hmm. that's been held in, in St. Louis. Uh, they expanded uh, to Denver, had the Denver, Denver Barbecue Festival. And then I think they were going to do Kansas City in 2020, got canceled. They did that one last year. They lost one in Jacksonville last year. So this is now, even though it's a slightly different um Names for the festivals, there's the same branding, it's the same company behind them. So you're sort of almost getting now, I don't call it a festival chain, but these series of festivals, they're starting to go from place to place to place um, as sort of they, you know, they've, they've done one location, they've been a hit and they're, they're moving out to other ones. Are the ones that are doing multi-stages doing some kind of a promotion? I know that Texas Monthly with the top 50 or the top 100, at least the year or two ago you could get a passport and if you went to all the different ones they'd stamp you and you send it in and get a yeti cooler you know whatever there yeah. was are there <laughs> other like gimmick promotions that are going on with these to encourage people to go to all of them um i haven't, I haven't necessarily seen that that much uh, of like trying to get you to go to all you know, all three or all, all four of the outings. And in part, like the, the ones I was talking about with the, the Q and the Lou, I mean, that, that's Denver, St. Louis, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. So you got a ways to go. It's not just traveling around, around Texas. Um, I do, It is interesting for me to look at the format of the, of the festivals. And increasingly, you have sort of two models. Uh, one would be it's free uh, admission and their bands and entertainment, but you pay for the food and the beer and everything else once, once you're there. So they're, they're making money off of, off the concessions. And the other model would be more just a, you know, you get a general mission pass for, you know, some amount of money and you get all you can eat and maybe you buy beer. But what's interesting is all of these festivals have the VIP to, uh, mm. tier where you pay 200, 250, 300 depending, dollars, depending upon what festival it is. And you get, uh, of course, early access, uh, you know, access to special areas with chefs cooking food and, you know, free free cocktails and all, all sorts of other things. So you sort of have that the two tier festivals uh, emerging where you have sort of the main festival and then you've got the video. And I think that that's a definite phenomenon. You're seeing more and more at the festivals, he says. Do some of these generate decent revenue? Like, can you make money on this? Yeah, and I think it depends on, um, on, on your model. I think you've got... Um, You've got for-profit uh, festivals, and, and I, I, they don't really publish how much money they make or anything like that. I, I assume they're not losing money if they keep doing them year after year. Um, you know, certainly if you're doing a, a more of a charitable festival, which a lot of them are, and, and the one Holy Smokes, which uh, helped organize here in Charleston, is is you know more of a, of a charitable focus. Uh, we're very happy. A couple of weeks ago, we gave a check for a hundred thousand dollars to Hogs for the Cause. Wow! Look at um, you. Which nice. yeah, which actually surprised all of us. We we knew we 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 knew we were going to do well when we saw the ticket sales, but once we, you know we cleared everything out, we were able to write a really really big big check. 
um, which which was great. And that goes to a, a, a nonprofit out of New Orleans that helps families with uh, pediatric brain cancer pay for all the expenses associated with with treatment and travel and every and, and lodging and everything else. So that was a great a, a great thing. So that will tell you how much money you can clear after all the expenses uh, from those. And you know, we weren't putting in our pockets in this case. We were doing it for a good cause. But I can assume if you want to do a for profit uh, festival, that's what it gives you a sense of of, of the. You know, you, you can definitely uh, come out in the, in the black on, on these. One of the things you had noted was that the Texas Monthly's Barbecue Fest was going to Lockhart, and it was a bit ironic because this was the first top 50 list that had no Lockhart <laughs> restaurants mentioned in it. Yeah, I had the, there's a priceless article in the uh, whatever the, the Lockhart newspaper is, the local Lockhart newspaper, where the poor uh, Daniel Vaughn didn't have to go down there and, uh, and 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 get in front of the city council. But the poor event planner folks from Texas Monthly had to go to the, the uh, city council that, yeah, is there asking for you know, to get permits for the for to have the festival. And they're doing a this a two day festival in down, you know, in downtown Lockhart. And I would assume blocking off streets and and all that kind of stuff. But first they sort of had to take their lumps and they, they had to listen to each, you know, the, all the city council people sort of give them, give them grief for, you know, the fact that no restaurant in Lockhart got on the top 50 and, but they let, they gave them the permits anyway, after they got sort of vented their grievances. But I sort of felt sorry for the poor folks who had to go into the lion's den and oh, try yeah. to explain why, uh, you know, crites or, or blacks or, <laughs> or smitties didn't make it to the top 50 list. Uh, anything coming up that we should be on the lookout for before we reconvene in four weeks? Um, you, on the do you mean on the uh, on the festival front in, in particular, or, or just, just in general? Yeah, in whatever general. you got working. Um, well, there is one festival I do want to highlight because I'm I'm really interested in this one. There's one called the uh, the Carolina Barbecue Festival, a brand new one uh, this year. That uh, Lewis Donald Donald, who is the uh, pitmaster and owner at at Sweet Lou's in Charlotte, North Carolina staging a festival in charlotte charlotte's sort of had a bad rap for a long time for not having a big barbecue scene in the midst of north carolina uh and i think lewis and some others are trying to help turn turn that around and, and they're bringing a bunch of great pit masters from all over the Carolinas. so that's coming up i think in june uh in the Carolinas. so that's one to keep keep on the radar screen um i've got trying to think what else i'll have some interesting new projects coming out soon uh nothing nothing really to, to talk talk much about right now i will note that uh, southern living did just come out today with their south's best uh issue if you go to southernliving.com you can you can see that uh that's not my list that's the annual readers poll where we uh, the magazine polls tens of thousands of readers for their picks for the best of uh, everything, like best city, best bagel, best brewery in the South. And they have a best barbecue list. And I thought it was really interesting this year, what the re- the readers came up with. I, I did the write-ups uh, for all that. So I'll say, go check, go check that out and sort of get a sense of how they uh, get a feel for, you know, where Southern Living's readers at least think the, the good barbecue is found in the South these days. The website is robertfmoss.com, and you can link to whatever he's up to from there. Also sign up for the Q sheet. And, of course, he is the second guest in the second Tuesday of the first hour every month. It is Robert Moss. Robert, always appreciate the time, and we'll look for you again in March. Yes, sure thing. See you in April. See see you then. There he is. Oh, yes, I'm sorry, April. I said March. We are in March, by the way, yeah. April it is. Man. 2022 rapidly coming to a close. I even lost track. It's hard for me to do since I'm the one that says that. All right. Let's look at the clock here. Yeah. 
I'll talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills before we close out the first hour. A choice line or a prime line, choice line, get one size option. That's Daniel Boone size. It's good for pretty much a small to medium-sized family. It can really put together a lot of food, no problem. It accommodates the pizza oven insert that you may or may not know about. Prime line gets you one additional size up. The tra- or the ledge and the peak. You also, with the Prime line, get some additional Wi-Fi features, app controllability, peak in windows on the main cooking chamber and pellet hopper, two internal meat probes. All the cool stuff that you might want to bone out a couple extra hundred bucks for. Plus a little bit more of a sturdier and more robust build on the chassis. Uh, you also can opt for the Trek if you want something to take with you on tailgates or if you're a camper or whatever it is. This plugs directly into the 12-volt receptacle in your vehicle. And away you go. You have a pellet-fired cooker and you're not sacrificing a tremendous amount of capacity due to its portability. It's very nice. You should check it out. Only sold through dealers, greenmountaingrill.com. So find a dealer near you, visit them, learn all about them, and then pick one that is the best for you. And then, again, you either get prime or choice line. It doesn't matter. Pizza oven insert. Got to get that. Pizza oven is key. Everybody's loving the high-heat pizzas. Nothing better on a weekend or on a Friday night to turn out 20, 30 pizzas. Very easy to do. A couple minutes is all it takes. greenmountaingrill.com to find accessories as well to complement the Green Mountain Grill cooking experience. That's greenmountaingrills.com, and we're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And we are back. This portion of the show brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, Fireboard 2 Pro, and the Fireboard Spark. Pick one. That is best for you. Longtime sponsor of the show. We certainly appreciate that. All right. We thank Robert Moss for joining us last segment, robertfmoss.com. And previous to that, it was our own meathead from amazingribs.com talking about corned beef and pastrami as the impending St. Patrick's Day holiday is taking place next week. I think it's next Thursday, somewhere along those lines. So there may or may not be time to do your own brisket, but get the corned beef that's already there in the grocery store and desalinate and then decide if you're going to go traditional corned beef from there or if you're going to go pastrami. Can't lose either way. They're both delicious, especially if you're making a Reuben sandwich. Rye bread is key. Swiss cheese is key. Fresh kraut is key. And I'm a Thousand Island guy. I'm not the uh, grainy mustard guy. That's just me. You might be different. All right, we're pointing to the second hour of Fresh Libations and we will be back. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show on the Barbecue Central Network. <laughs> 